0: episode with uh, Asterix Miller and Nehemiah Johnson
1: on the day we're talking about astrophy the feeling of being stuck on earth our podcast is called in defense of humanity and we are satirically uh, regarding how humans act what we do where we go and why we do what we do from a philo- philosophical uh, worldview but also from an emic worldview we're all human so we're just looking at it today's topic is astrophy which is the feeling of being stuck on Earth? So we're gonna look at this sort of. Well, let's let's start with uh, thinking about it like we're just normal people. We're just normal people. Okay. So whenever you think about being stuck on Earth, what do you think about? I mean, being stuck on Earth is as
0: uh, it's, it's kind of a weird concept to think about because when you're young, all you know is Earth until you're like maybe five, six, seven, and they teach you about the planets. So then you feel like, wow, there may be other life forms or things out there, but I'm only here on Earth, and I can only be on Earth. You know, only a few people become astronauts and get the chance to travel outside of Earth and look upon other planets and things like that. Only few people, only few people get those luxuries. So that's kind of my thing of being stuck on Earth. It's just that you know, I mean, it's not a bad place to be, but also it's, it's not like, a bad place to be. You're- it's also like with knowledge. When you obtain knowledge of other things, you indeed. see how imprisoned you are in this place that you call
1: home. So, indeed, and I'm glad you mentioned the word home and feeling like we're in prison. So, there's in fact a a brilliant, brilliant modern philosopher. His name is Luce Arigure. Irigaray. I r i g a r a y. Luce Irigaray. So Luce Irigaray is a French philosopher. Some some of us call her a feminist philosopher because she writes about the female dialectic as it exists. So she writes in one of her seminal works, seminal works The Way of Love. Um, she writes that women have an easier time because of the nature of women as caring beings to recognize the differences in their own home. Okay. Whereas masculine dialectic chooses to look outwardly into space in order to find difference. And we cannot recognize the difference in our own home between the genders, right? And then this disregard, this ignorance to other genders allows us to sundry the others. And then it basically allows us to subjugate another because we do not recognize the difference and the similarities that they have. So this same force the same dialectical materialism that we as masculine entities um, have. Whenever we look at the differences outward, we cannot perceive them yet. So we have great imagination towards them. That's not saying that women do not have the same trait. It's just showed in culture, the hegemony of culture. Our socialization teaches us this is who we are meant to be. Men go on voyages, women stay at home, and take care. This is not necessarily a correct dialectic, but it is a dialectic in which we live as Americans and Westerners alike. But my the challenge is that why do you think that, we,
0: that men should only be voyagers and women should stay at home? I feel like now, now as time progresses, now we see those social norms change now you see it's like and i'm not too sure the um statistics and everything but mm-hmm. as women gain more education Absolutely. and more freedom within their life they have lesser children and they venture out more and, this is true and go on about their lives and now you see more men staying at home while women are the breadwinners and i i feel like that's something that should be challenging the world because everybody shouldn't be it shouldn't always be the same. Things should change and flux and progress within life. You know what I mean? Um, I, was, I was going with something, but I kind of lost it. Uh, so. That's
1: okay. That's okay. No, no, no. That, that's, a, that's a great position. And I fully agree with you. Um, as time progresses, women now have the opportunity to reject these so-called old traditions. And we will be having a podcast about this traditional mindset and what it can allow um, on our next show, in fact. So don't worry, we'll, we'll break down some traditions real fast. But the masculine dialectic, in its attempt to look outwardly for difference, whenever we see a difference that is not necessarily dichotomous, we force it to be so. So insofar as we are all human and we wish to be different, we force people into categories, thus othering them. So, women, this is why, in in the standard dialectic of care, right, Mm -hmm. the the nature of care, uh, women tended to be more abolitionists um, Mm -hmm. during uh, the time of the Atlantic slave trade, of course. Slavery has always existed, but in this form of slavery that is lifelong was a relatively new thing once the... um, once the Atlantic slave trade began. And then we can also talk about that in a few moments. But women would care, would have the ethic of care, because that is what women do. They care for the children in, in society, of course. Mm-hmm. And they, they care about others. They tended, they were nurses during this time. So if it extended that they would recognize that, that blacks and other ethnicities, other races were still human. And even if some of the women didn't accept the fact that these people were human, they would still see that they deserve few inalienable rights, like liberty, not being beaten, not having your children taken, not, not being assaulted in numerous ways, having histories wiped out. They recognize that there are a few things that make someone capable of dialectic and they engage in such. Whereas the men looking out to the stars to find difference somehow to explore, to make contact. The men neglected to remember that each and every time the men explored, the men made contact, the men made war. And that is exactly what our dialectic tends to do, right? In in society, because of society. Because men are meant to be strong. Women are meant to be Nurturing and then insofar as we meet our rank our status men Tended to look at others of difference and then immediately immediately other them in Order to push them back Hmm. So that they do not enter the home because once you are in the home you are like me if you are not like me visibly you cannot enter my home. You cannot enter my dialectic. My dialectic is pure. You are not. Let's start making rules. Let's start using scientific racism to heighten myself, or even if not heighten myself, to lower another. Yeah? Great. But This is just conjecture. There's yeah. no reason I should be right. But my thing is,
0: all right, you said all of that, and it's very profound. But how does this relate back to astrophy the
1: feeling of being stuck on earth indeed and i'm glad that you brought me back so insofar as we fear being on earth we recognize that or we begin to think okay all things can be helped at earth right so there are two modes of thinking whenever i think of astrophy so i'm thinking okay well we have basically cured every disease in our country we have the privilege to think about this as, um, as a, uh, quote, modernized nation, a contemporary nation with vast amounts of technology, mm-hmm. we, we don't hunger. On an individual level, I can say I do not hunger. That's disregarding all the people that suffer from hungering, of course. Mm-hmm. I do not hunger. I have everything that I could possibly need and more. So the next level is, well, let me go to space. Let me see what else is out there. Let mm-hmm. me see what else is out there. Instead of recognizing that these are the same people, the same people who, if they are like me, who suffer from astrophy, are the same people who say, oh, I just want to go travel. I want to go to New Zealand. Have you seen Mount Cook? That mountain is beautiful. Neglecting to realize that people from all over the world come to something in our own country, something in our own prima facie borders.
0: Oh, I get it. So, like, so for instance, me, I don't appreciate the city of Atlanta because that's Indeed. where I'm from. I'm from. The city of Atlanta. So I don't appreciate the the tall buildings, the multiple things you can do in the city. Um, what am I? What else am I trying to get at? The multiple sports teams that we have in Atlanta, um, the music scene, club scenes, all of that. And I go to college in Young Harris. I now realize how much that I have back home versus here. Mm. And when I go back, I now then appreciate it more. I go out more. I go hang out with friends. Mm -hmm. I go and immerse myself back into the city that I grew up in now because I went away. And maybe that's backwards from what you were saying. How as men, as we go out to new places, we create war, destruction. We take Mm. pillage, rape, and all these things when we should just take in something and realize hey this is literally the same thing that we have at our home mm. but become because we became familiar with it Indeed. we depreciate it it the value is depreciated just like for instance when when someone takes a trip right and you take a trip somewhere so let's say some of my family are Jamaican but mm. we don't have a lot of us uh, live in Jamaica anymore? Yes. So we go on vacation. So we go to vacation, and these resorts hire pe- locals from the cities to to sell this this part plot of land and all these extracurricular activities for somebody to spend money there. So you have a Jamaican man that's there, and he's saying, "Oh man, come to Dunn's River Falls. It's so fun." When I mean, really it's just like. Cupid Falls here in Young Indeed. Harris. It's nothing. It's nothing more than that. But the difference is from tree it's oak unfamiliar. trees. Yeah, it's palm trees, and mm-hmm. instead of mm-hmm. lizards or water moccasins in the water, it's crabs and frogs mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And it, it we get so immersed in it. oh, it's new and it's different. But really, to them, it's just a, it's, it's just it's just a falls. Like just like that's just home. A fall. It's yeah.
1: Home. So whenever we become complacent with an area. And because of our globalized civilization, not to too heavily quote, to not, not to too heavily quote, um, Marshall McLuhan, but as a globalized, um, tribe, as a globalized civilization, we have the ability, the privilege to become complacent with the entire world without going anywhere. We see videos from these places. We have Instagram, we have Twitter, we have Snapchat, we have friends all over the world. We have we have things. We have UVU. I don't think people use UVU anymore, but we have that. Yeah. No, we have we have Periscope. I'm gonna stop listing things. But we have ways to connect to the world so we feel we've already been everywhere. And even if we haven't, once we go somewhere, oh that was really People ask, your friends ask, that must have been really amazing. After a while, you're like, it was okay. And then you become complacent with things that you were so excited to see in the beginning. Right. And then you start having nostalgia. You start wanting to go back. And if you do return, then you're like, ah, that was cool again. But then you become complacent once more. And I feel that's what we do whenever we go to a lot of places. That's not saying we shouldn't go to a lot of places, because this is how you learn new things, new ideas. Right. But... For our, but for us as humans, as humans, Mm -hmm. not even discussing people based upon national origin or anything. This is a human thing, not a gender thing. Whenever we go to other places, eventually you stay for a week. It's a vacation. You stay for two months. You live there. You become complacent with it. It's all fun and games to go to the Caribbean whenever you're there for a week. Ah, it must be paradise to live there. Then they start telling you, it's always 90 degrees Fahrenheit here. Mm -hmm. We have hurricanes. There's corruption from you guys coming here and having your bank accounts. We're always under investigation. Right, right. It's all fun and games when you only have to be here for a little time. But whenever you have to be here for the long time, not the good time to quote the younger generations, then that's whenever you start having problems. Hedonic resolution. So hedonic resolution is whenever... You constantly, well, it arises from constantly wanting more. So our generation, I've, I've begun to notice this in school. Mm-hmm. Um, people in my business classes would say, after the teacher asked, how much do you guys expect to make? Some people would be realistic. Oh, I expect to start off making like 30000 40000 It's not going to be easy. Some people would say, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm going to do... Graphic design and business for name a team a sports team. I'm going to start out making a hundred thousand. The professor always laughs, saying, "If you think you're going to make a hundred twenty thousand, two hundred thousand, if you think you're going to make six figures just graduating and you have done nothing to put in time, expect except expecting yourself to make this." He said, "This is why we baby boomers talk about you millennials because you." have a privilege gap where you think you deserve everything just because you did something right you come to work oh do i get a raise for that this is why they dislike us because we just magically expect things to fall in our lap like chance the rapper says blessings all in my lap <laughs> because we just walk into a place and we We are smooth talking. We went to a liberal arts college. We have philosophical terms. I say insofar. I say teleological suspension of ethics. And then magically, I get a job. I know Kierkegaard. I know Hume. Why do they care? What is Hume going to do to help me be an actuary? Hume is good. And if you muster the philosophy, philosophy teaches you a lot about ethics, about your own moral compass. And this is beautiful. But in some environments, knowing how to draw does absolutely nothing, and I wish it did. But society capitulates us. Society puts us in a box, compartmentalization.
0: Right, but look, because I feel like this is this is a great point right here to kind of encompass the the antithesis of this show or this podcast. Astrophy. Astrophy. We we as this generation have the ability to change the mindset of the workforce, of careers in mm-hmm. the world, honestly. Because just like, for instance, and, I, and I'm not the guy that can rattle off a lot of philosophers, but I can that's talk okay. about things that, you know, that's real. Mm-hmm. For instance, mm-hmm. music, the music scene, right? Yes. People always say music is not the same way it is anymore. There's no uh, lyrical weight. Mm-hmm for lack of better words, oh, yeah. and the music oh, yeah. is always just the beat. Well, understand this also, because I'm a business major, the reason why it's keep, it, it keeps being produced is because people keep buying, buying it. it. Yes. If if you want something to cease, stop paying money for it. That's true. Honestly. Now me, I'm a fan of it. I'm not going to lie. Okay. I'm a fan okay. of it. I like all types of music. Mm. There's sometimes I want to listen to a song where it's just the beat. And it's it's fun to listen to, but mm-hmm. I also understand that, I also understand that these guys make music for a living. If you mm-hmm. want them to change mm-hmm. what they're making, you stop paying for it. Just like with art, I feel like art is becoming one of those careers that is going to uh, people are going to start earning more money for again, mm-hmm. and it's going to mm-hmm. become value like the Salvador Dalis, the Frida mm-hmm. Kahlos, the I mean, there's so many other great artists out there that I I can't think of on the top of my head right now. That's okay. But it's because now we're beginning to value it again because I feel like at those times, a painting was so valuable because somebody spent hours upon hours Mm -hmm. of painting it, and you don't know the feelings they have Mm -hmm. behind Mm -hmm. it. And these guys were just critically acclaimed, world-renowned artists, And then it became this one point in time where you could take Salvador Dali's painting and print it a thousand times. And then now it's not worth the same. Only maybe three people in the world have his original painting, Mm. and they're not going to sell it to you. So you have to get these a thousand different copies. Now they're five dollars. Now it's not even worth it. So now when people paint and spend all this time and... Okay, think think of this. Like, in front of us right now, for those who can't see, we have this piano here, right? Mm. This piano was constructed by somebody. Oh, yeah. It took their hard time constructing this, the wood, mm. with the ivory keys. Oh, yeah. All of this. All of this is made by one person, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's tuned. It is. And I'm guessing this piano is probably what? Give me Give me an estimate.
1: Uh, this this piano is worth at least
0: $8,000. $8,000, correct? That's cheap, too.
1: Yeah.
0: That's cheap. But for somebody that doesn't know anything about this, is like, oh, that's $8,000. I mean, it's yeah, just a piano. Yeah. But they don't understand the work that was put into yes. it. Yes. The, the the design, the time that was taken out of that person. Mm. They, even though that may be their passion to construct these things, the time it still takes to make this piano is worth that. Mm. And I feel like because people are so used to things being being created quickly, like our food, our internet, mm. our our information we get, TV, gaming now, um, clothing, your clothing being shipped, you can get meals shipped to you now. That's true. Delivery, all of this is everything is so fast that we forget the value of time and things like that. But us. In, in the world of astrophy, we can't be stuck mm. in the past of what you know, what people create or construct Indeed. for us. We can't stay in this construct. We have to break out. I feel you. And create something, you know, that all of us can reside in to be. I can't. I don't want to say the word happy because yeah. happy is just. I guess happy is just like a. a sometime can be a temp- a temporary place for a moment. Because some people have Mm. happiness where it's just like, oh, I got something that I like. I'm happy. Mm. But when that thing Mm. wears out, then you're not happy. So were you truly happy? You were happy because of the object. But I'm saying happiness as of you have a passion for something and you value it. How many people in America today can say, I go to work every day and I'm excited? Mm -hmm. Not, Not I go to work every day and I... I can give a half smile because I make 120000 a year. Mm. Or, you know, maybe I can give a half-ass smile to my boss because I know by the end of the day, I'll get a nice paycheck and I can go buy some drinks at the bar or go to the club with this money or uh, immerse myself in other frivolous activities. Mm. When When can we, as Americans, say, I love my job? Mm-hmm. When I go to work, it's yes, I'm making good money. Of course, I want to make good money yeah. so I can live. But I love my job. You know, okay. a lot of parents these days will say, you know, when you grow up, you need to be a doctor, lawyer, surgeon, um, what's what's some other jobs? That's anything in the medical field, anything oh, yeah. in law, anything that requires higher education, right? Years and years of college education so you can make that money so you have this complete resume of all this all these things that you've done over the years to make this money and by the Mm. time you do all of that you're what 27 28 sometimes 30s yeah sometimes in your late 30s now working and you've been to school half your life now you're working and you're making a lot of money but are you truly happy
1: are you happy and I like this and I'm going to jump in because I mentioned uh a, a term hedonic resolution earlier mm-hmm. and I think I may have drifted a bit from it. So hedonic resolution or yeah, hedonic resolution is whenever we we wish to make more money, right? Cuz we see everyone, oh, they can travel wherever they want. They can travel wherever they want. If I just had more money, I would uh, be better off, right? But in America, about in in our state of Georgia, mm-hmm. outside of Metro Atlanta, about forty-eight thousand to about sixty-two thousand is that point of resolution. Whenever you can pay for everything, uh, not living paycheck to paycheck and being happy. Right. Know? Anything less than that, and you're struggling a bit, right? Mm-hmm. You can't have a, a car without making car payments. You're you're not that. You're battling debt a little bit, perhaps, Mm -hmm. or you just have to budget more closely. Anything more than that, though, you have to worry about taxation. You have to worry about your friends and family, friends in quotes, asking you for things. You have to worry about whether or not you're going to lose your job because you think that you have so much money where if anything can happen to you. Right, but then if you lose your job, you have to worry about this. You have to be on the top of your game. So the hedonic resolution is at about forty-eight to sixty-two thousand in our state, because that's the point at which you can have this happiness. Because money does not buy happiness. No. You can have this happiness, but you can also pay for all your necessities and even most of your wants. Right. Mm-hmm. But once you go too high, it doesn't make your life easier. Because even if you're born with millions of dollars. You have to realize you still exist in this world. Money doesn't make you immune. Right. Even diplomatic immunity doesn't make you immune. You have to realize that having, having money and does not separate you from the rest of the world. And to think that just because I have a lot of money, I can travel, right? Mm-hmm. The astrophy, right? If we can't get off this world, we're going to go somewhere as exotic as possible. You start seeing the similarities. Once you stay too long, you live there. Past that two-week mark, you live there. You no longer see things being exotic. People speaking French. Well, now you speak French. You speak yeah. enough to get around. It's no longer exotic. People speaking Mandarin Chinese, Cantonese. You speak enough. Now it's not even exotic. It's not as as to my French brothers who speak French. My French sisters. My French people who speak French. Oriental, right? The Orient, the other, right? Occidental the West, mm-hmm. us, right? But once they're no longer the others, once they're no longer the others, and of course it doesn't directly translate to others, but once they're no longer in the East, the Orient, once you are also a part of the East, then what does it do to you? Nothing.
0: Nothing. Yeah, it's, it's, and that's something that I really think about. Is like when you go to these different places and both of us, well, you know more languages than me. I, I'm only bilingual, but still like, I remember as a kid, I, I play soccer and uh, my team was full of Hispanic kids that only spoke Spanish. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was like so cool. Like, uh oh, Mexico or Honduras or Guatemala or Spain, these are like foreign <coughs> lands and they're so different from America. <coughs> And I've never... And I've heard Spanish on the TV and, like, the telenovelas and, on mm-hmm. like, and like the hairdressers or, like, wherever I used to go to, the... Um, La tiendas, las uh, diferentes tiendas in, like, my city or whatever. And then once I learned Spanish more and I would go to Mexico or Guatemala mm-hmm. and I could speak to the people, it became less and less foreign. Like, I could... And you could see the difference because, like, obviously my parents... And, like, my other cousins, they don't know Spanish. Mm. So, from their view, if I'm, like, taking a a view, I'm looking at them Mm. and their experience in in a Mexico or a Spanish-speaking country, it's a wonderland. Because half of the time, they don't know what they're saying. They only know, like, hola and, and adios. So, they're just walking around, and they see all these cool little stores and... Different cultures and mm. the food and how they do things and it's amazing to them. What versus me, at this point in my life when I went to Mexico, I've been studying Spanish for like five six years mm. now. So now it's like I can speak Spanish. I know the culture. So this is like another town to me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's weird. To, it's weird to see like the way you brought that up. It's kind of weird that that happens as you go to new places that you thought were exotic and you stay there for a while you become accustomed to those customs and way of lives and things you become complacent And it's like it's not the same Hmm. so am i and now more talking about this i'm kind of understanding the astrophy it's like once you travel the world it's like everything becomes complacent what next and right and i feel like that's one of the fears of Knowledge, you know, mm. and 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 you see in history, and we could pull up so many things knowledge about, about knowledge, knowledge. Yeah, yeah, of knowledge and how when you accrue so much knowledge and you learn so many things, it becomes dangerous. Just like, and I hate to sometimes bring up biblical terms, but even in in Genesis when they were talking about mm. when the snake was telling, well, when God was telling them not to eat the apple of Eden, or they learned like that intelligence when you travel across the world, you learn all these languages, you know mm-hmm. all these different terrains, and you learn all these different things, and you become complacent on Earth. Like, what's next? Mm-hmm. And and also, for a question with this, like, why, why do you think when men go to new places, they have the need or the bravado to always engage in warfare? Why can't mm-hmm. we take it back and study a culture... Not, not, not ref, not, um, what is the word I want to say? You know, like when a church goes and tries to implement their religion. Uh um, mission. Yeah, not like a mission trip where they go in and they try to incorporate their culture or religion or anything. They need
1: for syncretism. Yeah, yeah,
0: just go and just go and just see, just take a step in their shoes and see how they go about life and maybe learn something from them. Mm-hmm. Just like in Africa, right? How the in West Africa, mm-hmm. how that whole side of Africa is just in disarray right now. Like, even years after, years and centuries and centuries after slavery, it's still in this condition. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Why hasn't anybody gone back and say, you know, maybe... And, of course, you couldn't do that because most people... Most of Africans' records were burned or they didn't keep keep hold of record of things mm. at that time. So they don't know where they come from or their origins, stuff like that. Indeed. But, like, that's one of those things that always struck me and I always wanted to question, like, why hasn't anybody just say oh, man, maybe we should try to rebuild or try to bring it back to what it formerly was because I know you can't bring back the natural resources that was oh, there yeah, yeah, yeah
1: or things that like that. That exceptionalism of the past is sometimes dangerous.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't, I don't know, like, that's just something that's just very interesting but also the fact of how men can't go into another culture and just not necessarily they have to enjoy it but just seek and learn Mm. why does every time when you go somewhere you have to take something or um, for lack of better words cause a disruption in that that society Mm. because I don't think I don't think people and everybody has a reason for something right but if we all you know took the time to understand something in our world maybe we wouldn't feel like we were stuck on earth Maybe we would feel like, you know, this is a living, breathing society and all of us that inhabit this place, you know, Uh all share a different view. Like another point to hit on about Astrophy, right? Yes. So we were talking about how we become complacent with things like in Atlanta. I don't see it as, as how other people see it. Like if somebody from Young Harris came to Atlanta, they lived in Young Harris their whole life in Towns County. And mm. they come to Atlanta. It's like, wow! It's amazing. Mm. But to me or other people, we're like, ah, oh, it's, it's alright. It's nothing. Right. <laughs> so like, for example, right? Like the newest game that came out, Red Dead Redemption Two. It's it's like a fictional map, but it's mm-hmm. supposed to be America, like towards the end of the Wild Western mm-hmm. days, and it's like moving towards civilization. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: So there's frontier is, period. Yeah. Right, right. So there's is one mission, right? And you have to save your... Fr- I'm not going to tell you guys the game, but there's a mission where you have to save a friend. Okay. And you go in this hot air balloon. And, you know, by this time, I don't even know if flight was <coughs> introduced because it's like 1899. No, not yet, not yet. Okay, so no, not yet. This Wasn't it 1912 or something? Oh, around that time. Around that time, yeah. 1902, yeah. yeah. So um, so it's a hot air balloon. And you're going on a hot air balloon. You're rising up to max to the um, correct altitude, so the wind can push you in the direction you want to go. And you see this whole the whole map. You can go in a 360 view. And the and the game also lets you go in the first person view, so you can actually see it as if you were there. 360 view of the whole map, and I'm like, wow, this is crazy. This is so amazing. Mm. And it hit me. This mm. is America like wow this is crazy or another game like far cry 5 all those other games used to be exotic places like tibet um, and some island place in in the caribbean yep. um, another one was in africa another one was um another jungle location mm. and they did this one in montana and i'm like montana Montana is not anything majestic. Yep, yep. It's Montana. You got the Rockies. You got the Plains. No one ever knows this. But when you see it, like when you see it in uh, games, games do that. They illustrate things so perfectly, like for, for people to, I guess, in a sense, appreciate it. You never think about it because in the game you're blowing up stuff. You're doing missions and things like that. But like you take a helicopter ride. And you're going over this like, wow, this place looks so foreign. Crazy. I want to go there. And then you, like, open up your map, and on the top it says, Welcome to Montana. Mm -hmm. And you're like, this is really Montana? Mm -hmm. And that's crazy because just going back to things like the atrophy, we never appreciate the things we have sitting right in front of us. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I know we seek to explore and get those things, but it's like, first, we have to understand what we have and appreciate that before you can go somewhere else. Because if you can't appreciate what you have here, how are you going to appreciate something? Anything elsewhere. Yeah, like for example, if I can't if I can't keep my room clean, why would I come to your room? And I'm yes, going gonna, gonna to yes, fuck up your room. Yes. I'm going to fuck up your room and you're going to be mad at me, but I don't see the difference because my room is always a mess. Mm. You know what I'm saying? But that's like something to like, one of those kind of points that really needs to be hit hard. If we're ever going to make... An impact on how we, I guess, treat things mm. in the world and in society. You have to appreciate the things you have here first before you can venture out and appreciate something else.
1: Mm. But yeah, yeah. To uh, let's let's just make another cultural reference. To quote Nick Jonas, mm-hmm. right? Space was just a word made up by someone who's afraid to get close. So, mm. in in truth we are sometimes afraid to get close in dialectical space, right? Right. So displacement is irrelevant whenever we're talking about dialectic in the modern era. We have cell phones, we have the internet, we have everything. And even if we live in a place where we don't have these things, right, Mm -hmm. space did did not disrupt on the Canary Islands, the people speaking Silbo, the whistling language. Mm -hmm. These people whistle... Miles across the mountain valleys the mountains and valleys to communicate with each other space did nothing to them Right, Right. so sometimes we we confuse Distance right right physical distance, which we'll call displacement which is the actual space between two bodies and the dialectical distance the disparity that exists in discourse in conversation so astrophy, I feel, is whenever we begin to ne- neglect the the closeness that we can have for another right. in conversation. So I could talk about nearly anything, but eventually you start getting complacent with the conversations I have. So you go outward to reach other conversations. You realize, oh, people in my area talk the same way that I do. I want to go somewhere else. I like the way you talk. You have a nice accent. Boom, let's go another place. You have a nice accent. Where, If you realize that these different constituent groups, if our recent elections have shown us anything, Mm -hmm. there are quite a few discursive paradigms that exist in our own areas. Right. So we need not go anywhere in order to find this mysterious new dialectical experience, whether it be the masculine or the feminine, whether or not we're even interpreting Lusa Rigore correctly, mm. because we read philosophy often. We read Aristotle, we read Plato, we read the works of all of these modern Western philosophies, ancient medieval philosophies. Mm. However, do we ever read about Ibn Battuta? Do we ever read about Mansa Musa? Do we ever read about others? And then we we begin to clarify and and identify with these other philosophies, we begin to realize that we are unto the same route. We are not from dialectic. we are of dialectic, we are from each other, and through socialization, we can become different, right? right. So. Whenever we enter into this dialect and we understand the differences that exist in our own home, astrophy fades away in the moment. Because right now, even though we're talking about space, Mm -hmm. I realize that we're moving at nearly a million miles per hour. And uh, technically speaking, I've traveled further than any human technology could have ever allowed me to travel in this own little ship that we're on called the planet Earth. Right. And you know what that lets me know? Because astrophy, even though we, we may fear being here and we or we may have the desire to look outward, if you just remember that we are on this tiny rock known as Terra, known as Earth, mm-hmm. yeah, this this home mundus, right, right, the old world, we will realize that we are moving everywhere and we're always moving. No matter what you believe, you must understand that going outward is irrelevant until you look inward. You can't go somewhere else until you understand where you're coming from. Mm. Because you don't go somewhere. Go is transitive. You come somewhere because you already know it. Mm. You don't go back home. No, no, you don't go home. You don't call someone and say, I'm going home. You say, I'm coming home because come involves the I. Come involves the speaker and the receiver, but go only involves the speaker and you go to somewhere that's foreign. I want us all to start using come. I'm coming home. Right. I'm coming to your country. Right. I'm coming to your house. Right. You are coming here. There's no more, "I'm going to your house." That removes mm. the agency of our dialectic. We don't need this. No, 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 no. What we need, what we need is a generation of people with the ethic of care, right? Whether it be the masculine or the feminine dialectic, accepted of old, we must realize that we, we have it all here on this little planet.
0: That's all that matters, man. Just like I mean, we hit on it. Just like you have to appreciate what you have in front of you before you can venture out. And then even when you venture out, it's really all the same all around. It's just how other people interpret it, and that's all. That's all we are as the people, just enjoying it. All it is, man. We're not stuck on Earth.
1: <laughs> Mm-mm. It's, we're we're uh, privileged. To be Earth, right the bad things that happen here the good thing that happened here the bad to you might be outweighed for all the starvation all the war all the murder all the rape all of these bad things but the thing is if you are leaving to escape and everyone who dislikes this escapes then you leave the people who can't leave with the people who are causing these problems why not look outwardly on the inside look With an introspective view, see that you are capable of all these things pushed to a limit and then stop them. Because I guarantee if you invest enough time to stop all the things that we consider bad on a non-deontological spectrum, what is bad and what's good, if we see something that's bad and we'd rather escape than stop it, are we not also bad? So if we invest enough time to stop it, my brother, then we'll no longer think about looking outward because then you'll get caught up in, in the in the pleasure of being able to stop these things that we consider bad. And this is not a relativist argument whatsoever. This is universal. There are some things that are universally unacceptable.
0: Correct. But just to hit on this as like a last point, I feel like something that, that's happening a lot in society that we need to stop is this bystander effect. Mm. the thing that somebody else is going to help that person or somebody else will say something. I know everybody else sees this, so if I leave, then somebody else would do it. But if everyone thinks that way, then Then no one will help. Right. Indeed. I feel like as a society, as humans, if you know something that's morally wrong and you see that you're able to help someone, why not do it? Yes, I know that man on the street may not be poor, And he may be using you for money. But at the same point in time, every person isn't like that. There's somebody that needs help. If you Mm -hmm. always say that, oh, the next car will get him. Indeed, Everybody's thinking that. So he'll have a thousand cars going by him and he goes hungry. When you have the the necessary means to help him. I'm not saying drop a thousand dollars in his hat. I'm saying give him two dollars. There's plenty of fast foods, places that can feed that man. And if you want to say there's not quality food, well, hey, it's better than the situation he is it's right now. It's better than starvation. Just like in college, I'm, I'm a student athlete. We had to do the student athlete um, uh, sexual assault and rape mm-hmm. uh, program. And it was a thing of where you had to pick... The, the amount of players on a girl's team. So, obviously, I did, like, a girl's basketball team, which is actually 15 players, but I think it only let me do 12. They said, like, six out of those 12 girls, well, not six out of 12, maybe four out of those 12 girls will experience hmm. sexual assault or be raped. And maybe you're thinking, four out of 12, I mean, eight girls, is not getting... But still, that's still wrong. Yeah.
1: Yeah, That's one, still wrong. one out of a million is still wrong.
0: That's still wrong, and there's still cases where people will see things like this happen, and they say, oh, somebody else will will, will say something. I know, I, I just feel uncomfortable. Maybe it's not my business. Maybe maybe I'll walk in and say something, and they'll be like, oh, we're just playing around, or, oh, we always do this, and I look stupid. No, step in and help. If we all do this collectively as a human race, not not as different people but as the human race we won't feel stuck on earth we will feel as though we will feel connected I feel as though earth mm-hmm. right now earth and it's people that
1: inhabit earth are disconnected and oh, yeah. disjointed we're all universally connected correct let's make it so yeah,
0: yeah this is the first episode we'll talk tackle more topics
1: like this In defense of humanity, we're always here to defend. Sometimes satirically, sometimes not. Sometimes we're serious, but we're always here. Okay, talk to you guys next time. Peace.